So we've been in a series titled Elemental. And Elemental is something that is, uh, from the beginning, something that's essential. And we've talked about three things thus far. We talked about reading the Bible, the importance of reading the Bible, the fact that we need to read the Bible. And we, we mentioned that it's not just pieces of the Bible, but read the Bible in context, knowing that the promises that God gives us always have something that go along with it, okay? What is it? And read it in context. We talked about prayer and praying without ceasing. And what does that mean? Does that mean that you just stay in your prayer closet all day long and ask God to send you some birds that bring you food in front of your house? No, no, it just means that you're connected to God no matter where you are. I mean, come on, y'all live in Miami. We've got massive traffic. You know, that can get you closer to God or away from God if you don't turn to him. So I encourage you, use that traffic to get closer to God. Talk to him. If you're at work, stay connected to him throughout the day. It's not about just being there reciting. It's just about being connected to him all of the time. And last week we talked about baptism. The fact that baptism is the sign of the new covenant. The covenant sign of the new covenant is baptism. That it is the circumcision. That Jesus circumcises our old man off of us so that we can have two things. A closer walk with him in our being able to walk holy and righteous, cleanliness, and also for sensitivity to be able to hear his voice more clearly. This morning in our Spanish service, before the Spanish service, somebody that got baptized yesterday, he got and he says, Pastor, I, 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 I can't, I can't stop talking about it. I feel like I can, I, I can hear what God is telling me. Like I, I, God's talking to me. And I'm like, yes, because you have been, you're now sensitive to him because of him ripping out, cutting out the old man, you leaving it behind. Now, how many of you know that just because you clean something once and you can now, you know, for example, if you got a little clog in an ear and you get it and you get that ear wax out and now, wow, I can hear again. It doesn't mean you don't got to keep cleaning your ears. So you now are sensitive to his voice. How do you maintain that sensitivity? You continue to pursue. You continue to chase after him so that you continue to hear what he has to say. And today we're going to talk about something else that's elemental in our life as a Christian, and it's worship. Worship. And I started with this question, what is worship? You know, because many times we think that worship is just the soft songs that we sing to God. There's praise, the fast ones, and then worship is the slow ones. And we're going to break this down, what worship is. We're going to start in the book of Revelations. If you've got your Bible, I hope you do, because I want you to mark it and write in there. But Revelations is the last book of the Bible. It's an easy one to find. And we're going to go to chapter number four, Revelations chapter number four. And we're going to begin to read in verse number eight. And this is what it says. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night saying, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, 
who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. They worship him. The word worship in the original language is the word proskuneo, proskuneo. And proskuneo comes from the word pros, which is toward, and kuneo, which is to kiss. It means to prostrate. It means to uh, bow down. It, it, it means to do obscene, uh, to, to, to show reverence. Worship is to show reverence unto God, bow down to God. Now, we do know that part of worship is singing unto God. And there is power in worshiping God through song. And we're going to read it in just a second, but in the book of Acts chapter 16, you can start looking at it. Don't, you don't have to put it up yet, but you can start looking for it. In Acts chapter 16, we find that Paul and Silas walk into a town. There's a demon-possessed girl that is paid to give the people their fortune, right? Like to, to, to fortune-telling, basically, is what she was doing. Paul and Silas get tired of this girl walking around saying, oh, they, these people are God followers or whatever, and they got annoyed with it, and they turned around and cast the demon out. And the demon left her. And as soon as the demon left her, she couldn't tell anybody their fortune anymore. And the people who were her, this slave girl's masters, they realized their pocketbook just took a hit. So since their pocketbook took a hit, they filed charges against Paul and Silas, and they were arrested. And this is what we're going to pick up here. Them in jail, in the Bible describes it as in the innermost part of the jail, of the dungeon. It's described to be the part all the way at the bottom where everything filtered down to. A hole all the way down, most secure and probably the most disgusting is what, 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 what historians believe. It was the part where everything, all the urine, all the, everything, all the filth flowed down to. And these two guys, verse 25 of Acts chapter 16, I told you guys to look it up and I didn't. I'm sorry, give me one second. Acts chapter 16, verse number 25, it says that at midnight... They, Paul and Silas, were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So I, I want you to, again, get the depiction. They technically did not do anything wrong. They casted out a demon. And they're in the prison, the worst part of the prison, and they choose not to complain, but to pray and sing hymns of worship unto God. Loud enough that all the prisoners could hear them. Verse 26. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. They worshiped God. They were set free, both spiritually and physically in this case. 
And we talk about that and we say, like, oh, when there's a problem, you got to worship. Paul and Silas, they were in a storm. They were in the prison and they worshiped. And we use that sometimes like as a promise, like, oh, my God, he's going to set us free. I want to remind you of something. Paul was in prison more than this one time. But this is the only time where he was set free miraculously while worshiping. See, it's interesting. It's important for us to know that because sometimes we think that if we worship, everything is fixed. Because we think that worship is just singing. We think that worship is just lifting our voice. We think that worship is just a slow song. But the reality of the matter is that our entire life is supposed to be worship unto God, not just what's coming out of our mouth. Jesus in John chapter 4 is talking to the woman at the well. And as he's talking to this lady at the well, he asked the lady for some water. The lady says, uh, 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 I can't believe you're talking to me. I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. How is it that you're talking to me? And, and he says, come on, lady, just give me some water. And the lady gives him some water to drink. And, and then Jesus says, you know, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for water. And I would have given you living water that you'd never thirst again. And the lady looks at him with her natural eyes, right? And she's like, you don't got anything to put down into the well. What you talking about giving me some living water? I don't make sense. And, and, and then Jesus says to her, woman, uh, 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 I'm not talking about this water, but you know, you, you would have understood and if you did this. And then he asked her, he was like, he's like, where's your husband? And she says, I'm not married. He says, you spoke the truth because, you know, you, you, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're with right now ain't your husband. And this is where we're going to pick up. Chapter 4, John, verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Like, I, I think that is one of the most funniest lines in the Bible, right? Like, Jesus literally just tells her everything, and the lady's like, you must be a prophet, right? And then she asks him in verse number 20. Our fathers worshipped, and just to, to make sure you, you understand, it's the same word that we talked in Revelation, proskuneo. Everyone that you see here now is the word proskuneo. So she says, our fathers, proskuneo, worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one out to worship, proskuneo. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, he's saying, lady, you don't worship to a song in the temple or in this mountain. You're connected in worship because you're supposed to be the worship. See, church, our life... Is supposed to be the depiction, the representation of worship unto God. If you were asked right now, who is probably the most famous worshiper through all of scripture, most people would blurt out King David. We know King David to be the worshiper, right? He's the one that when the ark was brought 
He danced in front of the ark in the linen ephod and his wife, Michael, uh, Micah, was like, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're being undignified. People can see you. And he's like, I'm going to be even more undignified than this. We know that he was a worshiper, that the presence of God and the peace of God would come when he played the harp. Saul was tormented as a king and David would come and he would play worship unto God on his instrument, on the harp, and the tormenty spirits would stop Bob. Saul. Like David was a worshiper. So I want to understand if David was a worshiper and Jesus wants us to be true worshipers, what is this lifestyle of worship? So go to Psalm 63, Psalm chapter 63. And I hope again, if you don't own a Bible, get one. If you need it to be big print, because you can't see well, get it big. If you can still see small, it's okay. Get it small, but it's important to mark up your Bibles and write and, and, and be able to see there. Okay. Psalm chapter 63, I'm going to read through it all and then we're going to break it down. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Some of y'all that don't like to wake up early just got a pinch from God like, hey, wake up early. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. I mean, get the, the visual picture of this. I thirst when it's hot and there's no water. And it's for you. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me, but those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals, but the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory, but the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. See, David wrote this psalm when he was out in the wilderness of Judah, fleeing from one somebody that was pursuing him, chasing him. And he spoke about six different things. We see several different things here that he talks about that are worship. The first one is in verse number two, where he says, I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. David begins to describe his fellowship with God, his worship unto God. It starts with what he looks for. It starts with his eyes. It starts with what he sees. Do you know why so many Christians have a hard time worshiping and living a life of worship to God? Because they watch too much junk and it's altering the state that they're supposed to be in. So David starts, I look in the temple. I look in order to see your power. The verse number three, we find the second thing. He says, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Right? I'm going to speak what's right. I'm going to allow my lips to speak 
Praise is unto you. Glory is unto you. Then in verse number four, he says, thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your names. I mean, if you begin to see here, David is talking about not just his mouth. He's talking about all of them. I'm going to start my worship by looking for you, to see you. I'm going to declare it out of my mouth. And then everything that I do, I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to do everything as a surrender to you, to honor you, to exalt you. He continues on by saying, Verse number five, he, again, he talked about his, his eyes, he talked about his lips, he talked about his hands, and in verse number five, it says, my soul shall be satisfied as with the marrow and fatness. In other words, worship is not just of words, it's about get my soul involved in this. I am satisfied because I'm able to worship you. And if you remember, the Bible says that we are a three-part being just the same way that God is three in one. We have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a mind, right? We, 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 we have flesh, but we're not just flesh. And David is saying, all of me is worship. He continues to say, and he reiterates the importance of his mouth. He says, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. And I, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. This word meditate is the same one that is described in, in verse number one of Psalm chapter one. Uh, and I'm sorry, because I didn't give you this verse, but if you can throw it up real quick. In, in Psalm one, verse number one and two, in three, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits at the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That word meditate... It's not what we think about as meditation in today's society where people say, oh, we've got to meditate. And when they tell you about meditation, it's about clearing your mind. No, 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 no. Meditating on God is to think about what he said. It, 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 and, and in the Jewish culture, you, you'll see them meditating on the law. You'll see them, person, a Jewish person sitting there and thinking about the law, and they're speaking it right, right under their breath, and they're almost like in a rocking fashion, and you think they're crazy, but they're no. They are meditating. They're ruminating on. They are thinking about what God is saying. So David says, my worship unto you is not just with my hands. It's not just with my lips. It's not just with my mouth. It's not just with my soul. It's not just with me. It's also with my mind mind fixed on you, meditating on you continually. And what a depiction of when your mind is meditating on God. Did you read what, the mind, what, what happens? He's like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth fruit in its season. Whose leaf will not wither. And whatever he does will prosper. Church, worship is not just singing a song. Worship is everything that you do. It's a lifestyle. Connected to God continually at all times. Connected to God, understanding that when you are living for God, you're worshiping God. 
But too many times we find ourselves not being able to do it because we have fallen suit with the vernacular that praise and worship is something you do in church and it's a certain song. And it's a certain thing. And you know what happens? We begin to worship the worship. The singer of the song, the song itself. We begin to give honor to something that isn't God. Some of us in here, we worship without realizing we're worshiping our marriage or we're worshiping our children or we're worshiping our workplace or we're worshiping our car or our home. We are giving it the reverence that only goes to God. And then we wonder why we never get ahead and why we have a hard time connecting to God. Anything that we put in the place of God in our lives is taking away the worship from God and being placed on that. Is it okay if I teach you something, a pet peeve of mine? It's, it's, it's a real big one. It's been a pet peeve of mine for a very long time because even though I can't sing and I can't play an instrument, I know I'm a worshiper. Because a worshiper is not somebody who's up here. It's a lifestyle thing and it's a continual thing. And there's something that happens in services and worship nights and things all over the place where there's a flow of the presence of God and the song ends and is being transitioned to the next song we're going to go into and people start. (laughs) Like if they were performing. This isn't a performance. You don't come here to be entertained. I mean, I know I'm funny sometimes, but that's not what you're supposed to come here for. Thanks for the sympathetic laugh. I got that one. Thank you. If you're coming to church to be entertained with the expression that they're trying to worship with, you're in the wrong place. And you're never going to get anything out of it. I don't like going to worship concerts. Pastor, that's sacrilegious. Ask my wife. I don't like it because I like to worship. I don't like concerts. Last Sunday, we went to a worship concert. We were blessed with some tickets. My brother Gaston was in the hospital, and they said, hey, we can't go because I'm in the hospital. You want to go in our stead? And we went with a whole group of people from church. We were there. We're all sitting together. We were there worshiping. And you know what the hardest thing for me is? I get into the song. And I'm there, and I'm worshiping, and I'm trying to connect with God, and I'm giving God praise, but people in the arena have made worship about them. And about the people worshiping on the altar, because that wasn't a stage, it was an altar. And the minute that this song ended, and there's 20,000 people in this arena, 15,000 people, however many it was, probably two-thirds of them, not all of them, about two-thirds of them, yeah, and I'm like, shut up. Can you see we're worshiping here? Not them, but God? Well, can I give you another one that was worse? I, I got past it. I was like, Lord, I'm here for you. I'm staying, in, I'm staying trying to stay connected. And they start the chords of the next song 
And it was a popular song, so it was recognized. And I had this lady behind me, that's my song! That's my song! Really? That's what I wanted to do, okay? It's like, really? It ain't about you! We make worship about us. Our experience, how we feel, what we like, what we want to hear. Worship's supposed to be about Him. All of us. Our words, our hands, our th- all of us. That's what worship is supposed to be. Proskuneo. All before Him. Surrendering it to Him. Some of y'all not happy with me, but it's all right. My job's to teach you what God says. So Jesus said, watch, watch, look, look at what Jesus was talking about. Lady, it ain't about the mountain and it ain't about Jerusalem either. It's all about the Father. Did you catch that? The Samaritan said it's on the mountain. The Jews said it's in the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Understand something. You are the worship and it's anywhere you go. You want me to tell you how you worship God? Get to work on time. Work your full shift. Do what you're supposed to do. When the person forgets to scan something, mention it to them. Don't look and say, oh, what a blessing. I went to the gas station the other day and I put my credit card and it rejected my credit card and said pump authorized. 24 or something, it was really weird. It was like $24.72 or something. So I started pumping gas and it ended at $24.72. I was like, this, they made a mistake. They, 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 somebody went inside and paid. And they put it on my pump. So I'm walking inside with my credit card and the printed receipt to go take care of it. And this girl walks out. I was like, did you pump my gas? I was like, I think so, but I'm on my way inside to pay it. Because, you know, she's like, yeah, I told them the right pump, but they put it on the wrong one. They already put it on. I was like, all right, no problem. She's like, and I go inside. I paid. I walk out, out and this lady tells me from like three pumps down because it wasn't even like close. It wasn't even like that. They did pump 12 and it was pump 13. Like I was like in pump 10 and she was in pump four. Like it was not even close. And she was like, Wow. Most people would have put gas and driven away. That was worship unto God there. Because I was going to drive away, and there's a sticker on the back of my car that says 3W Church, right? I'm going to drive away, and, and what is the impression of worship that I'm giving people? Church, you're at a church that the name is Worship Without Walls. For those of you that didn't know, 3W stands for something, okay? It stands for Worship Without Walls. And it's funny because I can tell the depth of the person I'm talking to on the street when they ask me what church I go to or, or pastor or whatnot, and I'm like, oh, I, I worship without walls. And I've had, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, oh, so like, so like you meet outside or like an open area space? 
See, like, you don't have a, a, a temple? Like, you don't have a place? Is that why it's worship without walls? It's like, no. It's about the understanding that the church is not a facility. If you didn't know, the vision of our church is to equip the body of Christ to live a lifestyle of worship that will cause change. That is the vision of our church. Let's break this down. Watch. To equip. What does it mean to equip? To teach, to train, to give the tools needed. That's what we try to do here. On Sundays, lighthouses, prayer service, youth ministry, we are trying to equip you, sending you emails with daily Bible reading plans to read the Bible. To equip, train. Who? The body of Christ. Who's the body of Christ? You all. Us. To live a lifestyle of worship. And what does it mean, a lifestyle of worship? That you're always walking and singing? If it's raining, I'm singing in the rain. Hey, hey, no. What is a lifestyle of worship? A lifestyle of worship is when you understand that everything you do brings honor to God or leaves a bad taste in other people's mouths. That will cause change. Watch this. You have an encounter with God. You begin to honor God, as David said, with your lips, with your mouth, with your ears, with your eyes, with your soul, with your mind, with all of you, you begin to honor God. So what happens? You stop cussing as much as you did before until you get to the point where you don't cuss anymore. You stop watching things. You stop sharing the dirty joke. You stop laughing at somebody else's dirty joke. You stop doing these different things, not because of anything other than the fact that you want to honor God. So then your coworker that used to come up to you all the time, and now you says, again, you know, if, if, it's, if it's all right with you, I'd rather you not speak to me with those words because I'm trying not to use those words. Wow, you're different. And then when you maintain it, they're like, they stop talking to you in that language. They, they, they start measuring the jokes that they say around you. They start changing. So if we're living a lifestyle of worship, the people we impact will change. You want a picture of worship is Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. This is what it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Jot it down. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What does it mean? It means I feel like doing this, but I do what's right because it's for God. Present to God a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do you know what reasonable service means? It's the least you could do. Like right now, I go, you got no car. I buy you a brand spanking new car. And I give it to you. And here it is. It's yours. 
And next week, I have a situation where I can't drive and I come and say, like, hey man, you think you can give me a ride? Bro, the least you could do is give me a ride. I mean, we're talking in the flesh here for one second, right? Least you could do, give me a ride. I just gave you the car. Oh, no, 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 man. Uber. Well, you at least going to pay for my Uber? No, 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 you. You bought me a car. You can afford an Uber. Watch. You and I are born with a sin nature. We cannot do anything to get to God. We can't be good enough. We can't behave well enough. We can't not sinning. Like, there's nothing we can do. So there's nobody that can fulfill the law, which is why if you, if you read the law in the Old Testament, the high priest had to offer sacrifices for his sin before he went to ask for sacrifices for your sin. So God says, this doesn't work. People can't get to me and I want relationship with them. I want them to be able to have access to me. So I'm going to send my only son who's going to be able to fulfill everything. He's not going to sin. He doesn't need to offer remission of sins before he's sacrificed so that they have access to me. And this is the way Paul says, the least thing that you can do is live a life that honors him. That's the least thing you can do. That's what it means to reasonable service. And then verse number two says, and do not be conformed to this world. What is something that is conformed, right? Liquid conforms to whatever vessel it's inside of. If you put liquid in a mug, it's going to be that shape. If you put it in a vase, it's going to be that shape. Whatever you put it in, it conforms to it. It says, do not conform yourself to the vase of this world that says it's okay to do this, that says you can worship all these other things, but be transformed, be altered, be changed by the renewing of your mind. Why does our mind have to be renewed? Because our mind was sinful. Did anybody here ever have to be taught how to lie? Taught how to steal? Taught how to do what was wrong? Taught how to be disrespectful? No, we don't need, we don't get taught those things. We're born with them. So we gotta renew ourselves, renew our mind. Why? because it proves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, when you are living a lifestyle that you understand that everything you do is going to be bringing glory to God, you're living a lifestyle of worship, and people are impacted by it. Yes, worship can be an expression of a song with our mouth. I know Pastor Zach loves me, and he knows that the song I've been listening to for the last like month and a half is Sea of Victory. And this week we went through a tough time as a church and we'll talk about that later. And he asked me the other day, how are you doing? I was like, it's, it's, I'm just, I'm just, I'm listening to my jam even all night long. Like you asked my wife, I got, I have the phone just on like volume one right next to me just playing that song constantly. Almost all the time I'm trying to sleep, I'm just, I'm declaring it. I'm going to see a victory. So this morning, I, he walks in. He's like, Pastor, I know your jam right now. See a victory. You want us to 
to, to, to do that as a song today. I was like, you're the boss when it comes to the worship team, whatever you all want to do. And then I heard them practicing, and I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the jam I'm listening to right now, that I am in every time that I have, that I can, is just doing. Part of it is to remind myself that no matter how bad things look, God's got a better plan. Pastor, you got to remind yourself that too. Did you guys see? I'm flesh. I got to remind myself too. That Jesus said, in this world you're going to have tribulation. But I have peace, I've overcome the world. So our life and everything we do in it, that's what's worship. Yes, we lift our voice, but hey, how you talk to the pharmacist when you go pick up your meds and you had a long line, remember that you are worshiping God. How you treat your employees if you're a boss, how you treat your bosses if you're an employee, everything that we do is supposed to be worship because we're called to live a life of worship. And worship is not just a song, it's a lifestyle. And who are we honoring with what we do? I honor my wife because I honor God. I honor my children because I honor God. Whatever I do, it's because I'm trying to honor God. And do I mess up? Too many times to count. But when I realize it, I run back to God. How do we do? What's the elemental things of our faith? Church, we got to read scripture every day. We got to pray without stopping. It's essential if you've never been baptized or if you got baptized before you really gave your life to God, it's essential to be baptized. Church, it's all about worship. And again, worship is not just a song. Our life, everything we do is worship. And when we learn that and we remember that, man, it starts to alter our behavior. We feel the rage coming from something and we're like, no, 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 hold on. Is this going to honor God if I answer like this? You were, it, 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 it's not that you're, this is the way you are and that's it. No. No. God came to make us new. We are a new creation. The old man has passed away. Therefore, all things are made new. And everyone in here, everyone in here, and if you're watching online, listening to this later on the internet or whatever, you are a worshiper. If you can play an instrument, awesome. Come talk to Pastor Zach, join the worship team. If you can sing, awesome. Be a part of it. But whether you can sing or you can play an instrument or you can't, you are called to be the experience.
expression of worship, the way you live your life, the way you conduct yourself, what you do, what you don't do, that is worship. And the people around us are listening to the melody of Christians living a life that honors God because it's an expression of worship.